Hello, and welcome to the LVP Architects podcast. Hi, in this podcast episode, we will recap some of the subjects discussed. So we're going to touch on um, fee, appointment, program, brief, and the project timeline, and basically how they link together with the aim of helping you, the part three students, understand that these connections are fundamental to well helping you answer exam questions and your case study and also not forgetting they are key once you've qualified you know and if you're going to bid for a job or run a project these kind of connections and understanding these uh, subjects are going to help you so one important thing to remember is that every project in relative terms has the same connections regardless of scale of the project similarly as a, a book has a start middle and end regardless of its genre so let's start So the brief is linked to the project timeline, which in turn is linked to the programme, with all three required to help you work out a fee for your services and therefore what type of appointment you will require, based around the scope of services you will provide. Now, depending on the scale of the project, there may or may not be a detailed brief. This can range from a requirement of a simple feasibility of the site to establish what can be built on on there, to perhaps a very specific requirement, such as a science lab building, with clear requirements to be met by the client. With either, there will be a level of the fine tuning, removal or addition to the brief. Basically, your objective is to quickly figure out which is likely to happen through early meetings, conversations, or or even your own questions. Then, on top of this, you need to ascertain what level of work is required, to what REBA stage your services are required for, and the project timeline. Once you know these answers, you can establish a base to work from. If a project program is available, you can begin to, you know, flesh out your available timeline with information output required, the work resources, travel, meetings, you know, sign off points, um, other consultant input. So you can flesh out that project program and, and block out these kind of things. With this in mind, you can begin to flesh out a fee related to that. Unless your default is, uh, well, to base your fee on a percentage of the construction sum, regardless of other requirements, which can occur in, say, a framework where a fee has already been, a a percentage rather, has already been agreed in principle um, when you all sign up and if you get appointed to that framework. Following this, you can then add or omit services you will provide, then tweak the resources and your fee accordingly. I wish to stress... I believe there is no right or wrong fee in reality. There is a too low or too high fee in the view of the clients, but um, it's down to you to convey to them why your services for that project demand that kind of fee. It's a difficult one. Um, You may believe that the fee cost is relative to time and that maybe that's how you approach everything. But what happens when there isn't a lot of time? How do you establish your fee principles then? Some fees could be based on the complexity of design or work, which may not necessarily mean a long timeline, more of a specialisation in design. Like I mentioned before in a previous podcast where we discussed the fee, you must consider the basics and also be realistic with the resources. Decide how long information will take you and connect that to key sign-off stages, but add some flex that will allow for highlighting areas of any potential early changes to the brief and, and having the time to capture that. When you're going through the programme um, and you're trying to decide how best to start, some find working backwards from a programme finish date suit them to establish the time and resources needed 
and that works best for them. I kind of tend to work from the front in process order. This allows me to sort of view the knock-on effects of any brief or design changes to, to sign off dates or resources. So I can kind of highlight warning areas so that if this is delayed in any way, then the consequence will be this. And this is where that kind of flex time comes in because maybe you can absorb it. I'm someone who, well, basically I dislike fakery of underestimating how long things take. It, you know, you've got to be realistic. You can't just think, oh yes, uh, definitely, oh, that'll, that'll take one day, where your experience is, well, actually it's going to take a day and a half. Um, you know, with that in mind, there, there are only so many working hours in a day. Our profession pushes itself to, you know, ridiculous lengths and generally has more coordination to deal with than others. And I've been there. You know, it's not fun. It's stressful. We all say the same thing. We will learn from this and it won't happen again. But most don't or it becomes expected as the norm, which, you know, is just ridiculous, of which neither is acceptable, in my opinion. Um, you know, it shouldn't happen. And there's got to be sort of a line that you try not to cross. On the flip side of that, we can get our fee or resourcing timelines wrong, you know, and we feel the pinch. But it, that is should be viewed as a, a learning point. You know, once bitten, you're not going to make that same mistake again, or, or you shouldn't. But be realistic. Make a stand, but be flexible when you can be. You know, if, if something is added which causes the delay in sign-off, I, I kind of generally try and see if there is an area in the programme later on that can be reduced with careful resourcing. Or, or maybe you can cleverly readjust some of the work packages and order of those so that you can meet the, the deadlines in general. This could take uh, some conversations, and not necessarily with the client, but the rest of your design team. You know, uh, maybe they're planning to release certain things at certain times, and, and because of the pressure of changes, maybe between you, you can you can all work out. Well, actually, if if we kind of move this package here and here and these deadlines, actually, we still will meet the end date, but the order is a little bit um, different to how we originally planned. In, in actual fact, things like. Um, in terms of information, though this is probably later on in, in the programme for, for construction or tender purposes, we kind of work from a detailing point of view of uh, the ground up because we like the progress, you know, we kind of work that way. Um, M&E kind of work because plant is generally uh, now on most large projects on the roof. Um, they they, they kind of work top down. They've got to work out the unit sizes. They've got to work out the demands of every room and, and how that feeds back. And contractors, large contractors on large projects, might not necessarily say, right, what I want is all the foundation details so that we can we can start shipping them out to certain subcontractors for costs. You know, they might actually ask for the windows and you're sort of thinking, well, actually, how I would detail that's not on, on the path. But rejigging these sort of things might benefit catching up some time so that it doesn't affect the overall. So um, going back to fees, with regards to how much, which arguably is the most asked question by clients when it comes to smaller projects, um, quickly followed by how long will it take, this isn't something that should be thrown out there in the first meeting, hence why I say you need to consider the brief project timeline and the programme. You know, you need to work it out. What is it you will need to design what drawings you need to produce during and at the end, you know, such as planning submission or stage report for sign-off, and by when. Just to clarify, the difference between 
a project timeline and a program for me you may disagree and that there is a, a there isn't any difference or distinction between the two is that a project timeline is the overarching time of a project so based around the reba stages not seven um within the reba plan of work you know from uh, strategic definition to use whereas a program is specific period of time within set stages so you may have a um, a brief to planning program or a design development to handover program which contains within it key start and end dates punctuated with you know the delivery of the various information packages and and sign off dates um, within it so considering all that you have had your fee and scope services accepted now it's down to getting this agreement down in a formal format there are a few reasons for this um, a written appointment contract is legally binding and you know it includes agreed terms for a number of elements you know such as um, start and finish dates and any intermediate key dates you know it contains the the brief and a reference to any relevant supporting information has a agreed fee and payment schedules that's quite important you know how much are you getting paid how often um, is it stage related or is it at the end of a certain submissions of, of, of information or is it all at the end then there's also the agreed services you know what is included and excluded from your services also importantly it should have a means of dispute resolution should things you know unfortunately turn for the worst uh, also this is this is actually a requirement of being a registered with the ARB to be able to use the title architect and also a requirement by Reba if you are one of their members though you can start work with a letter of intent which you know it could allow for work to begin while you know contracts are drawn up or checked by your insurer you know before the final sign off the letter of intent you know this this letter of intent will only briefly describe what you are providing for that really short period of time until the contract is signed so you know maybe it's brief development with some initial meetings to lead to a um, the development for a final brief or maybe it's initial design sketches this letter though of intent is a mini contract you know it's an offer that is accepted for an agreed fee and that should be stated as well and it is a it's a temporary deal with the understanding that a signed contract will be completed in the not too distant future the main items of a contract are obvious but the brief and your scope of services is critical to be clear from this you know there is such a thing as a brief creep where items get added as you go along you know for a variety of reasons and and good intentions but this can lead to additional work you know you should claim you know it's additional costs for you and time uh, but only if it is clear that this is additional this work could become abortive you know for various reasons again you know such as maybe it was under good intentions but once the costs come back it's just making the project cost overall spiral out maybe the client changes their mind you know uh, but you need to be paid for your time if it's significantly extra you know that's where a clear brief with the appointment documents is helpful or, or at least a clear understanding of what you're going to produce and and what's the background to that you know you you shouldn't be shy to mention that it's additional work you know similarly you shouldn't feel embarrassed to ask just make sure it's clear before any additional work is started or considered you know if there's if there's a clear change in the brief or it's starting to change that 
you know, bring it up. Say, you know, this isn't actually the original brief. You're kind of asking this extra. So I'm going to have to charge accordingly, you know, and, and be honest, you know, clarity and honesty goes a long way in projects. And, and it, it makes what is expected and, and accepted much easier. Just quickly on scope of services, don't offer things you have no skill in or resources for. You know, why offer landscape or detail surveys or even the principal designer role if it's not feasible for you? You know, whether you don't understand the role so you can't do it or whether you just haven't got the resources because you've got loads of other work and there's no one free within your practice. On the topic of principal designer role, be aware that for design pre-construction stages on all uh, small uh, domestic projects, that role is automatically falls to the lead designer you know there's with with no written appointment required whereas on you know commercial projects much larger things um those those commercial projects that role needs to be appointed formally you know if you want to know more um our previous podcast where we discussed the the cdm and the principal designer role and, and how it applies talking to previous podcasts i have discussed uh, the types of appointment documents that are available so i won't regurgitate that now key things to remember is who is the contract between the size and complexity of the project you know because there are specific domestic homeowner type appointment contracts um, that you can get that will be between you and the client and similarly there are uh, that sort of type of appointment documents for um, other consultants and then there are you know more complex or, or bespoke contracts that are aimed at the larger and more complex obviously projects so you know, thinks as phased projects, not just in terms of scale, could could be a complex project that needs a specific type of contract that will take into account those kind of phases. Picking the right one uh, is not not really complex. What is is um, <laughs> is going to court and defending your views versus that of the client. Take time and do it. It doesn't. It doesn't. You know, it, it's better to have things formed. Now, a lot of clients kind of like it. it it's reassuring to them because you're you know you're you're coming across as a professional as well right so in brief that's the recap podcast number one you know it covers was it six of the previous episodes um it's some of those you know I've, I've discussed some of the key points for appointments and fees and and hopefully you understand the direct link with the brief project timeline and the program um and those are the things that you should consider i'll probably go into a bit more detail about how a fee can be maybe a step-by-step step. I don't know we'll, we'll have to see how that work, how I can get that across in a podcast or maybe it'll be a video or something hopefully it's been informative um, made things a little bit clearer and if you tune into the next podcast we'll talk about the procurement route because it kind of follows in neatly with the fees and projects in general uh, types of procurement routes okay thanks very much for listening goodbye